Oscar Sundquist played little in the 2022-2023 postseason, but I think he probably could have offered something had he played more. We evaluate Sundquist's 2022-2023 season today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any of our video content throughout the week. If this is your first time tuning into Locked on Wild, we welcome you on board and hope you stick with us through the offseason into next season as well. If you are an everydayer who tunes in each and every day of the week, we are glad to have you back. Today's episode of Locked on Wild brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we evaluate the 2022-2023 season for Oscar Sundquist, who was acquired at the trade deadline. We'll talk about how he played down the stretch and why he didn't play more in the postseason and whether or not he could have given the Wild a little something had he played uh, over Sam Steele, for one. So let's start by taking a look at the numbers for Sunquist after he was acquired. And the numbers don't jump off the page in particular. I mean, he finished with seven points in 15 games for the Wild, three goals, four assists. He ended up with um, a shooting percentage of 30%, so three goals on 10 shots, didn't shoot a ton, but uh, did play right around 12 minutes, 28 seconds per game, had 21 hits in those 15 games, three blocks, three takeaways, and four giveaways for Sunquist, who was brought in to provide a couple of different things. A little more postseason grit, a little more physicality, and a little injury insurance for the Wild down the stretch to allow for them to get some players out of the lineup. Well, lo and behold, it happened that the Wild lost a pretty critical figure in Jewel Erickson Eck. And it was always perplexing to me, considering how things played out, that Sunquist wasn't more utilized in the postseason. He played in just one game in the uh, the playoffs for the Wild. And you look at what he did. I mean, he scored. I know it was a game in which the Wild lost, but he scored. He had four hits. He had a block um, during the course of that game, played 12 minutes, 40 seconds. And so if you look at what Sunquist was at that point, which was a third-line guy, he was brought in to be a little bit more of a physical presence. Sunquist did what was asked of him in that situation. And he was a guy who had some postseason experience previously with the St. Louis Blues. He was brought in 
um, after helping the Blues on that uh, that run that they went on at the end of the 2018-2019 season. So you brought him in to kind of give you another option to try to um, add some oomph at the bottom of the lineup. But then he played in the one game, was removed from the lineup for Sam Steele, and with what Marcus Foligno did throughout the course of that series, which was basically just rack up penalty minutes. And I know iffy call that led to him being shown the door in the first period um, of game four of four or game five. Uh, iffy penalty led to him being shown the door there, but he also had plenty of penalties throughout the rest of the series as well. And we just have another example here of a guy who fell victim to guys that the coaching staff, quote-unquote, trusted to better play um, in some critical spots. Let's see what Brett Marshall has to say, um, some of the stats that he has from his player cards. Again, shout-out to Brett for putting these together. Make it so easy to look at the stats uh, for particular players. Looking at uh, what Sunquist did, obviously – his ranks are near the bottom in terms of forwards because he didn't play a ton, uh, and so he didn't have an opportunity to accumulate the stats um, at, that some of his counterparts did. But goals four per 60 of 2.48, he ranked fifth amongst wild forwards. His goals against per 60 and goals four percentage were 13th and 10th. Corsi numbers not great. He was 15th in Corsi 4 per 60, and Corsi 4 percentage. Corsi 4 percentage was around 42.5%. He didn't play a ton on the power play. He hardly played at all on the penalty kill, just 19 seconds of penalty kill time for Sundquist um, on the season, and played 14 minutes, 36 seconds of ice time uh, on the power play. So Sundquist, a depth guy, but... As, uh, as we continue to point out, I think could have um, done a little more. As noted by Brett, Sunquist was another of Bill Guerin's trade deadline acquisitions. He was brought in to fill Jordan Greenway's role and did that as good as you could have hoped. Wasn't flashy, but did have three goals, four assists in 15 games. His underlying metrics left something to be desired but it rarely felt as if he was a liability on the ice. Would have liked to have seen him get some more run in the playoffs, especially with injuries and lackluster play of Sam Steele, but the Wild didn't feel like he had a spot. And so, again, you have another guy, such as Sam Steele, who just was not put in a position by the coaching staff to really help this team as much as he potentially could have. And that's not to say it could have been that he wouldn't have done much of anything. And... If you're nitpicking on third and fourth line guys, as this has kind of become, if you're nitpicking on third and fourth line guys and whether or not they should play, you're not really hitting the huge portion of the issue, which was the play of the top six. And that's that's a fair statement to make. But this gets back to some of the issues with just seeing different things when – 
stuff doesn't go well in the postseason as opposed to just continuing to ram your head into the wall with the same lineup. Make some tweaks. If you feel like Felino is is causing too many penalties to uh, where he's not helping you out, throw a Sunquist into that spot and see if you get a little bit of a spark. So Sunquist not playing was more a result of just the lack of adjustments made throughout the course of the series. So we're not going to hit that too hard over the head. But for being acquired for a relatively low sum to be a depth piece, that part of the box he definitely checked. And so uh, it, it it was a fine move by Bill Guerin. But again, it was one that was brought in to be a lower in the lineup depth piece. And if there are questions about that, they should be directed more towards how the top six did uh, in the postseason. So that being said, we will still provide some uh, letter grades for Sunquist as to how he did throughout the course of the season. That is on the way as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wild after this. There is no better time to head to FanDuel because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to 2000 That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And with FanDuel, you have plenty of opportunities to make sure that your bets are winners each and every day. They offer some great promotions throughout the weeks, throughout the days. It is the safest and securest app you can find for your sports betting needs. And best of all, when you win, you get paid instantly. There is simply no better place to bet all of the sports action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thanks for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Uh, For the everydayers, we've got a fun roundtable discussion coming up for you on tomorrow's show. We've got two writers from the Hockey Writers, Aaron Heckman and Dylan Lokes, who will be stopping by as we discuss Alex Goligoski. We'll talk Marco Rossi, and uh, we'll talk about the potential extension for... Philip Gustafson as well. So it uh, should be a fun roundtable for you for tomorrow. Make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to Lockdown Wild wherever you listen to your podcasts. So offensively, let's talk about Oscar Sundquist, hand out some letter grades. From an offensive perspective, I actually was a little surprised by what Sundquist was able to provide. Um, he did a good job of being a net front guy, and uh, just kind of helping fill some of the void down the stretch that was left by uh, Jewel Erickson Eck getting injured. Uh, so I, I thought he did a good job of filling that role and not really trying to do too much outside of that. And so offensively, I'm going to go with a uh, I'm going to go with a C plus for Sunquist. Again, limited capacity. But still, I'm going to go with a C plus. I I thought what he was able to do offensively and kind of filling that Jewel Eriksson Eck role, I thought he did fine with that. 
again, in the regular season, um, which we all know how much stock you can put in what happens in the regular season. Uh, defensively, we're going to go, I'll go with a C for Sunquist. He was physical. He threw his body around. Um, not a ton in the way of takeaways and giveaways, but also wasn't coughing the puck up a ton. And uh, you you look at his numbers from a goals against per 60 perspective, they weren't, uh, they weren't great, but they weren't terrible either. And so I am going to go just to see defensively for Sunquist here. Uh, special teams, Sunquist hardly played. He played a total of uh, just under 15 minutes total on both the power play and the penalty kill. He had one power play point, but a guy that, as we talked about with Sam Steele, as we talked about with other guys, he shouldn't really be on the power play. You should be able to find better options to fill both that first and second unit. Penalty kill-wise, he didn't give up. He wasn't on the ice for a penalty kill goal in the 19 seconds that he played um, on the penalty kill. And so maybe there you you elevate some higher marks and also had a power play point in like 14 minutes of time there. I'll go with the C-minus. Again, a guy that should not really be the focal point of either unit and wasn't and did fine when he was out there. Postseason-wise, I'm going B+. He scored in the only game that he played, then was pulled out of the lineup for Sam Steele. And the coaching staff just did not make any sort of adjustments in the lineup to try to combat what Dallas was doing. It was just a lot of, this is what got us here. This is what is either going to win or lose the series for us. And so it's it was a situation where it would have been really interesting to see what he would have been able to give had more of an opportunity presented itself, but we'll never know because it didn't. So going B-plus for the postseason for the one game that he played, I thought he did pretty good in that game, scored a goal. I know the Wild lost, but did his job. It, it was just the uh, the rest of the lineup that uh, that really didn't. And so that brings us to the overall grade for Sunquist. I'll, I'll go with a C-plus here. Again, you, you look at these deadline acquisitions for Bill Guerin with the top six pretty much set as it was. You brought in Marcus Johansson, who was the only guy that slotted into that top six. But the rest of it, Nyquist and Sunquist, both third-line guys. You bring in John Klingberg, who was put in as a third-pairing defenseman. And so none of these moves were made to be with the exception of Johansson. None of these moves were made to be huge different makers. It was just done to bring in a little more postseason experience and some just some veteran presence in the bottom end of the lineup. And so if you're you're if you're not expecting upper level performance from these guys, then it's hard to say that they didn't live up to it. The biggest thing again is just them being put in situations to do what they needed to being overextended, being underextended. And so we're going to C-plus for Sunquist uh, for what he did while he was here. 
which is exactly what he was brought in to do um, as one of those deadline acquisitions. Now, as far as what is next for Sunquist, I am about a hundred, maybe ninety nine point nine percent sure that it's not going to be something here. And so we'll talk about what comes next, as well as just an overall look at uh, what this team has been able to do in terms of bringing in some vets to help fill out the bottom of the lineup. We'll talk about all that as we finish today's episode of Locked on Wilds after this. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thanks for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers, make sure to tune into our Locked on Wild roundtable with Aaron Heckman and Dylan Lokes of the Hockey Writers tomorrow as we'll talk about a wide range of topics such as Philip Gustafson. We'll talk about Marco Rossi and uh, Sam Steele in the center position in general. We'll also talk about Alex Goligoski and Kalen Addison as we try to kind of fight through the veteran players holding spots with the young players that we are hoping to see fill those spots here for this season and beyond. So it should be a fun conversation with those two coming up for tomorrow's episode. Now what comes next for Oscar Sundquist? Let's just put it at 100% he's not coming back. I mean, you would think a player like that with as full as the Wilds lineup is at this point, there will be a few spots that will be available to be had. But limited funds. You don't need to overextend financially for a guy like Oscar Sundquist when you are going to potentially have Marcus Foligno and Ryan Reeves. Although, in my opinion... I would rather have one of the two. But again, you're not going to spend funds on a guy like Sunquist to keep him around to maybe fill a spot or to maybe just ride the bench. That's just not smart with where this team is at financially. He's going to, I would imagine, get a little better opportunity from somebody else out there. And again, it's not like we're talking about a guy that's playing in the top six. He's a third or a fourth line guy. But look at that market for third and fourth line guys. It seems like teams are always plucking players and fitting players into their lineup, whether it be in the postseason or a young team that needs some veteran players to come in and fill roles. seems like there's always a spot for those guys on the roster. And so for... Sunquist, I just I, I'm he's gonna get an opportunity somewhere else. And so I, I don't think there's any zero need for the wild to try to get him to stay here. So his opportunity will not come here, but it is an interesting and cautionary tale as to the act of bringing in those types of guys. And you can spend a draft pick, a low draft pick on a guy that in Bill Guerin's eyes definitely fit a role on that third line, but he didn't end up playing really at all. So this team has had no issues with bringing in guys to fill roles on the bottom six, whether or not they've executed it. Nick Delorier is a good example last year as a player that was brought in to try to provide some muscle and some physicality. He 
hardly did any of that in the series against the St. Louis Blues. Had that um, couple of those sound bites before the series and then was just a complete non-factor because that stuff doesn't necessarily matter as much in the postseason. Although we saw this year, you can have those guys in the lineup. Doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily do anything when Kirill Kaprizov's getting jabbed in the back by Ryan Suter. And so you can find those guys to kind of get you through the regular season. And um, at the end of the day, it just all comes down to how your top guys play in the postseason. So as we've talked about with the third line, there may be an opportunity for a spot, depending on what happens to Marcus Foligno slash Ryan Reeves. And we'll get to Ryan Reeves and his player eval uh, with the fourth line guys as we wrap this process up. But we're in a situation this year, we've said it and we'll continue to say it, where you'd like to see the team opt for younger players as opposed to those veterans that come in and take up a roster spot. Let Sunquist go. Let uh, Klingberg go. Let... I I would not mind Nyquist, but I just I don't think the Wild are going to be able to keep him considering the... Uh, you can't get into a betting war. So Nyquist gone, Sunquist, Klingberg, Reeves, all, all those guys. You, and you take those spots and you just start to fill with the likes of Adam Beckman, who is a player who now has shown he's got the um, the scoring ability, the shooting ability. I love the fact that he is a player that just shoots without hesitation, is not afraid to let one fly from anywhere on the ice. That can play for this team. And he, under Tim Army, worked on the other aspects of his game. So you would be getting a more well-rounded player, and we saw that in his cup of tea this season with the Wild. You see a more well-rounded player in Adam Beckman. Give him an opportunity to take a full-time spot on this roster. We've obviously got Rossi, who we'll continue to talk about here throughout the offseason as a guy who is going to need a spot to see if he is able to fill a role on this team. And it's not going to work to have him just fill a fourth-line role and have him playing six minutes a night. And so if you have openings in this lineup, get some of these kids in, let them do their thing. Let them learn on the fly. But this is where the issue comes in. This is where one of the problems comes in, is that you have a team with a coach who is way more apt to play veterans and has a couple of guys on the roster that tends to play more in certain spots. And so uh, that's going to have to be an area in which Dean adapts because these next two years, like it or not, it's going to be a team that is going to have to rely more on young players. You just don't have the capabilities to go out and get third and fourth line guys. So promote Beckman, promote 
Rossi, let him do his thing at the NHL level. Let these guys take those spots. The thing with rookies is twofold. You are going to have to go into the season with the understanding that there will be some growing pains for those guys. They don't all just light the world on fire the moment they get to the NHL level. There will be some growing pains, but the difference between one of those veteran type of players is you know what you have at a certain point is that is just who that player is. Rookies have a chance to kind of hit hit their stride and outpace, which leads to, well, hey, we weren't expecting a ton, and now we're getting way more than we were hoping for. So that's going to be the big thing. We will talk about that at length throughout the offseason, but as everybody is, has noted in the comments, everybody is, is right on the ball here. Um, it's, it's a team that is going to have to rely on young players to fill spots. And the only way that that works is by allowing those players the opportunities to get into the lineup and not yanking them out of the lineup the moment they make a mistake. You have to allow for growth because we as human beings learn and grow through failure. And so it's no different than any of us going into a job situation. You hope that previous experience is enough to get you ready for whatever you're going to do. But there is always growth through learning, learning from mistakes, learning from situations that don't go well. And so that's, that's the shift we're going to see in this team is that these next couple of seasons, it's not going to be those, those veteran guys that come in. It'll be younger players with something to prove to show that they belong. And that's, we should want that. We should want that from this team as we move through the next two seasons before the official start to the cup run. And let's be clear as well is there's been a lot of posturing and and rhetoric structuring this as the window will be open, will be competing in two years. And so that's further of a reason to use these two years as an opportunity to help build some of that depth because the excuses go out the window if one or two years after Parisi and Suter's cap hits go down. One or two years in, if if we're still in the same position we're in, your excuses are much, much less. So, youth movement 2023-2024, here we come. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Wilds. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to today's episode. If this is your first time tuning in, We're glad you made Lockdown Wild your choice today and hope that you stick with us through the offseason into next season as well. If you're an everydayer that tunes in each and every day of the week, we're glad to have you back once again and hope to see you on tomorrow's episode. Either way, make sure you subscribe 
to all of our content by following us on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so that you don't miss out on any of our new episodes throughout the week. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and also now SiriusXM. So make sure that you make Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. We've got new content every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.